Morning Show, Sports Center 590, the fan band and his friend Gunning. There was Bo Bouchette after the game yesterday. He had a couple of hits. Eventually got to conclude that at bat. In fact, got a clean slate yeah. the next It's actually inning. really nice of Vlad. <laughs> uh, maybe instead, not. Instead of a full count with the tying run on second base, he let off the sixth inning after Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was picked off at second base, becoming the first Blue Jay in postseason history to be picked off second base. Just full stop. And the first player in a playoff game in general to be picked off second base since 2017. Again, Carlos Correa was also the, the shortstop at that moment. So Bo Bichette, I mean, a lot of people are taking that quote and running with it, and yeah. we're going to do that a little bit now. Mm-hmm. It it's is very interesting. Easy to do. It is because he does. He's, he's a, the players. We got to think about things and how we can be better and how we can be different and and what we did wrong and why it mm-hmm. went wrong. And there's a lot of introspection that needs to happen with us. But he made an explicit point yes. of saying also like the top of this organization needs to think some things through and what they value and how they put this team together. And whether there's the winning makeup on this team that they expected it to be, which is, I think, fair, but also pretty interesting to see your best player not point the finger, but ask the question about, hey, do they know what they're doing up there? Yeah, I mean, everyone is going to, and I think the thing that it's it's a little bit of a, well, I mean, it's a very pointed quote coming directly off that game, but you can take it a million different directions. I think that's the part of it, though, is that people are going to go to that and say, ah, he's talking about the Barrios thing, and of course he is, but he's not just talking about the Barrios thing. He's talking about the trades that were made in the offseason, and everyone goes to the to Oscar going away, but it's the pieces that came back. And that's not to say Bo's sitting there going, oh, this far show guy. I mean, maybe he's sitting there going, this far show guy stinks and I don't want any part of it, but it's the type of player you're getting. We just heard Barker screaming about it, rightfully so. That's your cleanup hitter. That guy's a cleanup hitter. False. No, he is not. You need to have a better constructed lineup. And I think that Bichette is just kind of pointing at all of the things we're all sitting here wondering about. We're going to go to the Brios thing and it's everyone's going to go there, but it's about many different things. It's about roster constructions, about what you value, all of those things. And, it, and it's about how much to push in. Honestly, the Brios thing is more like a baseball in general conversation yes. as opposed to a Blue Jays specific. Like you could, the Blue Jays specific part of it is it was like, it's a stupid move. God, <laughs> all, by the way, just all of the alumni last yeah. night, The Jays did, well, I was about to say they didn't get many hits. They actually did get a lot of hits last night. So did their alumni, just teeing off. Ricky Rowe was not happy. Vernon Wells was upset. Well, who was happy? No, of course, right? Like, it's just, for for those guys, and, you know, Ricky Romero's a little more present. We see him and hear from him. But for those guys to start just coming out of the woodwork, to see it all across baseball, again, like, this became the Blake Snell moment for Mm -hmm. 2023. And and this type of stuff does happen during the regular season, but it's it's more notable. It's more extreme in the postseason. Not to to, to diverge off the the Blue Jays topic for a second here and just talk about a baseball in general theory or a potential rule change. Baseball's done so well, and say what you will about Rob Manfred and calling the Commissioner's Trophy a hunk of metal, and that's <laughs> that was not ideal. But all <laughs> it's hard to argue with. Some of the rules that have been put into place here being pretty effective, most notably the pitch clock's been awesome. It really has. The so shifts, I, the lack of shifts, honestly, I, I didn't think it would impact the game that much. Shocker, it didn't really, honestly. Um, there's some guys it's really benefited, it, uh, benefited, but you still see that that ground ball up the middle mm-hmm. turn into an out, yep. which is, I, I think for most people, the biggest problem with the way uh, fielders are positioned 
if baseball really wants to start weaning off this type of mentality, weeding this type of um, strategy out of the game, there is a rule that has been proposed that I think would actually work wonders. Hit me. It's called the double hook rule. Okay. So everybody, universal. Is that when that happens, one fan gets to go down and punch someone? Is that what the rule is or no? Give them a right hook? Yeah, right hook. Yeah. Uh, it's not. Okay. That might be a variation. <laughs> Would have been very popular last night. Yeah, no question. What it is is you get your DH beginning of the game, but you don't get your DH the moment your starting pitcher is removed from the game. Hmm. So the the pitcher that comes into the game goes into the DH slot. The, the so then it's a National League game. Yeah, just in you, old school so, we, so we get like all the, the old heads, I'm not out. like me. Because, I'm out, by the way, just very quickly. <laughs> they get their potential for a a pitcher to, yeah. to hit, but more than likely there's going to be a, a pinch hitter in mm-hmm. that spot because at that point you're in a relief uh, pitcher mode, but there's like there's a, also an element of like added strategy to that. Mm-hmm. But it definitely incentivizes a team to keep their starter in there longer. Here's what you're not having: you are not doing the opener. Like the opener's dead, dead, it's, dead if, and gone. If, if you have the double hook rule, there's just no team that finds it's going to be good strategy unless they have the longest bench in right. the history of Major League Baseball that they're going to lift their pitcher immediately so i i it's it's interesting to talk about i'd love to see it implemented at, at some high level of of the minor leagues if we had it yesterday telling you the yeah. blue jays are not lifting jose barrios well that it is interesting because as you were setting it up i was sitting here thinking you know in other sports where they have had issues stylistically and we can debate whether or not these things have worked there have been very easy rules in the grand scheme of things to implement in those games nhl take out the red line two line pass no longer a rule things are more wide open mm-hmm. you know some of that's tactics that are employed but you create that rule it forces teams to trade their tactics the other one we just saw it in FIBA with the lack of a three in the key rule we see it in the nba you want guys to drive more to the basket Having not a seven-foot guy standing in front of it makes it super easy. And the problem with this issue in baseball is that it is a, like, mind virus issue. It is not a, mm-hmm. it's it's not an on-the-field thing. So I do like that there is a within-the-game way to address it. Because other than having a symposium where you drag all 30 GMs before you and say, no one likes this, yeah, but that's, that's not going to matter. Not, because they want to win. Yeah, their job is to win above everything else so and I li- keep their jobs. I like that it, the rule is trying to address it, but mm-hmm. I'm just, I am immediately out. I, I can never, ever go back to National League-style baseball. And I, you're right. That would would be a lot of switches and guys coming in. It would create more strategy in the game, but immediately I'm just out on that. Well, and maybe you would have a smaller bullpens because I think everybody maximized the yeah. number of pitchers they can have in the the 26 man roster yep. and what is it? Uh, yeah, 14 pitchers, which is like an insane number. <laughs> it's like it's so many uh, otherworldly, uh, or I guess it's 13, um, 13 and 13, and and maybe everybody would in. If this rule is implemented, say, hey, if we're de-incentivized to use our bullpen and incentivized when we do to use pinch hitters, like maybe we'd have a longer bench. Also, like there's a secondary element to this. If you are pushing your starters deeper into baseball games, they're not throwing as hard. And maybe there's an offensive uptick Mm. as well. Also, like so much of the strikeout numbers spiking over the years has been relievers throwing upper 90s yeah. uh, because they can do it in shorter stints mm-hmm. 
starting pitchers, it's really hard to throw 100 miles an hour for, for 100 pitches or six or seven innings, which, yeah, maybe we'd go back to having complete games. It would be, it would be, it's just an idea. No, I, I, I very much appreciate the exercise. And the other interesting part of it as well is that, you know, right now, obviously, as we get deeper and deeper into October, you look at the teams that we think are going to be there, the Braves, the Dodgers, they are deep. But if you look at other good teams in baseball, you know, it's not always a point of emphasis to have a great third bat sitting on the bench. No, You know, you look at a guy like Babe Schneider and, you know, he didn't get in any of the game. We understand mm-hmm. what happened with him there. But all of a sudden, just having that piece there becomes so much more valuable because you have to use it. So I will just reiterate for the 8,000th time, I am out on that idea, but I, I would I would like to commend whoever came up with it because it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know who it was, and I'd like to give them credit too, but I don't know I who would it not was. like to hook them. No okay. right hook for them. Good. good. That's Just that's, a pat on the back because they did good. Good job. All right. Um, what a waste of a season this was for the Blue Jays. Yes. Like, there's... A, a lot of questions surrounding this team this offseason because they have a bunch of notable free agents and they're going to need a new third baseman next year. But say what you will, and, and most of it will be correct about how valuable Matt Chapman was or wasn't this season, going one for 13 with the bases loaded, having some of the, the worst numbers I've ever seen with runners in scoring position, late and close, having a spectacular month of April and then being one of the worst hitters in Major League Baseball mm-hmm. basically since... May 1st and beyond and still being in positions to to, to come up with big hits and almost coming through with uh, those big hits in the postseason. So he's gone. Whit Merrifield was the starting second baseman for a long time. He obviously grew out of that role by the time the season wrapped up. And you want to talk about another guy who, just like Yusei Kikuchi, was kind of fading down the stretch since August 1st. Whit Merrifield was a guy that posted an OPS under 600. He's out the door. You got a bunch of guys that are that are contributors to this team that are free agents, but you're also not likely, I shouldn't say not likely, it's going to be very difficult for this team to replicate what it did on the pitching side of things this year. Of course it is. I mean, they and the, the reason on one hand, this gives you cause to believe that they have proven the ability to do it so they can do it again. You know, when Robbie Ray walked out the door, it was, wow, Cy Young the winner is leaving. How are they going to replace this? Mm-hmm. And to their credit, they were able to do that with Kevin Gosman. You cannot continue, and I know Gosman isn't going anywhere. You cannot continue to do these things where you just are able to constantly exactly walk this line with your pitching. I mean, even Bassett, it was a great ad that they made. Yeah. I, you know, he's only going to, this is how age works. He's going to be older next year. And there's right. probably a slightly lesser version of him. And at some point in time, it is just going to fall off a cliff. It's the thing we've talked about with Springer. So yes, there are a lot of conversations to be out on the pitching side. Even a guy like Gosman, little longer in the tooth. He led the AL in strikeouts. I don't expect him to fall off a cliff by any means, but that was a... 90 percentile season from Kevin Gosman, like not as good as you could possibly get. And he tailed off in the back half of the season, but that's more or less what you could expect to get from him. But no guarantee he replicates it. Barrios, we just talked about it. Maybe this is him coming on and he truly is becoming your ace. It's entirely possible. That's the best season you just saw of him in Kikuchi. We've talked about the pixie dust all year long. So, oh, and uh, just the biggest question mark for all the question marks in the organization mm-hmm. uh, that the guy who started game one of the playoffs last year, yeah. who is lost in the wilderness right now, I suppose he could come back and be that guy. But why should we believe that until we see it? No, the, there's 
There's a bunch of well, I mean, him, I, I'm Alec Manoa, I'm writing off entirely. I, I don't even consider him in in evaluating the way this rotation is gonna look on opening day. Four of the five starters are coming back, so it's only one rotation spot they they gotta fill. And and Bowden Francis, the way he looked out of the bullpen this year. I, yep. Although maybe you don't want to spoil that. Maybe he was so good out of the bullpen that you're like, oh, that's actually a nice role for you. Um, or maybe you're able to stretch him out and and you can convert that guy back into a starter, which he's been throughout the course of his minor league career. Um, four of the five starters are coming back. They also got tremendous health out of those guys this mm-hmm. season, right? Like it's it's unbelievable. And now part of that is that's that's the reason they targeted Jose Barrios in trade, and it's why they extended him to, to the seven years that they did is because he was an effective pitcher. He's a former all-star, former top 10 Cy Young Award finisher, but also takes the ball every fifth day. And the best indicator of whether you will be hurt in the future is whether you've been hurt in the past. He had not been hurt in the past. Never spent a day on the I.L. So you, you feel pretty confident about him. You feel pretty confident about Kevin Gossman as well. Chris Bassett has had some injury concerns in the early stages of his career, as you mentioned, getting a little long in the tooth, getting a little aged. You say Kikuchi, maybe it's not the injury thing that you're concerned about with him, but yeah, I don't think that all of a sudden you say Kikuchi for the first time in his career has the, he has a, this was a career year for mm-hmm. you Kikuchi. When they acquired him in free agency after his overall pretty good season in Seattle it was on the strength of a one very good half of a season. He's never done anything like what he did this entire season before in major league baseball. The idea that he could do that yet again mm-hmm. next season, not a, not a guarantee by any stretch of the imagination. Jordan Hicks is a free agent as well. Yes. This blue Jays bullpen got the swing and miss stuff that people so rightly called it out for for not having mm-hmm. it in previous years. Eric Swanson is part of that as well, and Jordan Romano is under team control for, for next season as well. But as Kevin Barker rightly pointed out, like is his or is the organization's patience with him at the back end of the bullpen is starting to wane mm-hmm. this offseason. You wasted this. You you wasted you a glorious opportunity where I mean the results didn't play out this way. But and and I I I on this radio station said that I preferred the Rays matchup. There was a clear argument to be made that you'd rather face the 87 win American League Central team than the 90 plus win American League East team that has been in the postseason before. You wasted so much this year, and it's one of the other parts of this team that are is going to be a massive question mark as far as their performance in 2024. Yeah, the Rays, they they couldn't hit a lick either at the end of the season, so maybe we'd still be in game one if uh, the the Blue Jays got the Rays in, in game one. It's entirely possible that that's how, how that would have gone on. The thing with Kikuchi is, it's I mean, it's pretty starkly naked. We've seen both sides of it. You have seen his floor. You've seen as bad as it could possibly get. You have seen the ceiling. To your point about when the Jays made the move, it was off a one half of a season and one half is is doing is a little unfair to you say but it was kind of one half a season again I mean it was the last month month and a half so it wasn't a true delineation point of the all-star break but he was not the guy in September that we were talking about in July so you already started to see some of that that go away in terms of the the closer conversation you know there are plenty bigger fish to fry on this team in terms of what you do and the pieces you need to add but you know, we know the dynamic back there can be a little uneasy. If you are having questions about Jordan Romano as your closer, 
don't you want to have that conversation in February so that this isn't a case of having mm-hmm. to build seven, eight, nine again? And there's nothing wrong with needing to add an arm at the deadline, but knowing, okay, we're a team that wants to win and we have question marks about our closer. And again, just listen to the answer Barker gave us when he asked John Schneider about that. Now, who knows if it's coming from Schneider, if it's coming from the khakis, wherever it's coming from, but there is clearly a question mark and rightfully so about what that guy is. And I think with that position specifically, if you're going to have to take the ball away from him, don't give it to him in the first place. And I think that that's another thing well, to be and, and mindful of. What can he be if he's not pitching in the ninth inning? Because right. yeah, I, I think his issues as the closer this season have been overstated. And a lot of that is on the strength of like two out of the last three regular season outings, him giving up runs and mm-hmm. one of the only one of those being a safe situation by the way that was the one in Tampa um the only loss the Blue Jays had in that series on the road at the Trop um but then gave up a bunch of runs in a tie game and and didn't look at his absolute sharpest down the stretch but yeah what does Jordan Romano look like if he's pitching in the seventh or the eighth inning and maybe We've it's seen the those same numbers yeah I mean the, the numbers would suggest that if he's not closing out baseball games he's actually been much much worse it'll be interesting to hear how this the season is message towards fans because that's it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is is winning, and it, and it, and it honestly it it wouldn't matter if Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins step to a podium whenever they do that tomorrow next week or whatever and said, "Fans, we hate you. Like I don't care what you think. You're all stupid. You're idiots, and we're the smart guys." If you went out and won 120 games next year, that's it. I, I that'd be a kind of a nice little breath of fresh air to get something different, you know? We did, yes. I would really make this offseason interesting. <laughs> but there's very few guarantees in that regard. It's very difficult to to win 100 games. It's very difficult to compete in this division. So the messaging is going to be important to some degree, especially considering the expectations for this team, especially considering the entertainment level produced by this baseball team. And I, I, we probably made too much of a big deal about the attendance figures during that Rangers series because of it being midweek in September after the kids went back to school and yada, yada, yada. And there were some massive crowds down the stretch, the regular season mm-hmm. for this team that was battling to get in to the postseason. But clearly there is a level of frustration that exists in the fan base that I think can't be ignored. Yeah, how can you not be frustrated? This is arguably the worst spot to be in. It's the old Shawshank, like hope. It's a dangerous thing. If this was just a bad baseball team, we would have stopped being invested in it a long, long time ago. I mean, we would keep having the conversations, but it would just be different. It is the tantalizing nature of the talent, and you can make this about the Blue Jays, or you can make this about any one Blue Jay. It is, I mean, we're talking about the team, but boy, doesn't that sound like I'm talking about Vlad? The idea that what was promised and what you can see and squinting and it's right there and it never ever coming through of course it comes through in the regular season in bunches when they go on a nice stretch oh for six in playoff games never once getting to leave the ballpark or leave a bar or turn off your tv at night with a smile on your face not once in this era and some of that is dumb baseball luck for sure but you cannot scratch it up all to that some of it's bad decisions and then the messaging to the fans i think it is a very crucial time for that If you win, it does not matter. The message could just be the middle finger emoji in the paper the next day. Honestly, it could be that blunt. If you go win a series, it's never going to matter. But until you start showing some turning around on the other side of things, I'm very curious to see how it is because we saw the worst version of it possible with the Mariners yesterday. We played the DePoto clip. That's as bad as it gets. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Jays have a chance to do better um, whenever it is tomorrow, Monday, whenever. Yeah, and I here's what I Again, expect can't to hear. Do worse. No, here's what I expect to hear. Yeah, it was there was a lot of things that were good throughout the course of this regular season. We underperformed in areas that we thought that we would be better at, and that's most specifically the offense. We need to figure out why that happened. We need to be better there, and we need to be better at home. What I oh, what I'm terrified we're gonna hear. Okay. And then I have one other question for you, but I want to hear. Yeah, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm terrified we're going to hear is some of the stuff we did hear from John Schneider, and you got to do it when you're in the middle of a series and and you're trying to build hope within that that clubhouse. Is what I'm terrified to hear is, yeah, this is like the the one percentile result this season. You play it back, and we win a hundred games, and this is actually a really good team that got some bad luck and some bad breaks and some guys that had bad seasons. Weirdly. And that had nothing to do with who they are as players. And we built this team the right way. We got the bad, we got some bad breaks. Look at those guys. Look at the names on the back of those jerseys. Those guys should have produced, right? Why they didn't, that's that's the game of baseball. Sometimes you know, why can't the khakis figure that out though? Sometimes it 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 just the ball doesn't bounce your way. It didn't bounce our way this season. Yuck. That would be very gross. Do not want to hear that. Do you think, and I want to preface this with the answer my answer, no. Do you think we will hear someone take ownership wholly? Not as part of a collective, but somebody's put it on me for the Barrios decision. We didn't hear that from John Schneider. I didn't expect to hear it from John Schneider. We were joking about the Kevin Cash, Blake Snell. There was a lot of I, 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 I. Kevin Cash ate it. Like he was like, this is my call. Like, and and I do it again. I am very, because we know it's going to be a pointed question. Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to get followed up on a couple of times to really drill down to that answer. I am curious to see how much responsibility any one person wants to take for that because I don't think it was one person's call, Mm -hmm. but somebody, somebody had to press the button. And Mm -hmm. I know that that guy was John Schneider, but somebody had to tell him to do it. It wasn't, there weren't 16 people in a room going, we think you should do this. Somebody made the call. I want to know whose call it was. And I think, I think we won't get it. I think we won't get it. No, that's fair. And that's a question that I think will be asked. I think, the, the the strategy element of that specific instance yesterday will be asked, and I guarantee you what you're going to get is, hey, we liked our lefties against their lefties, getting the lefties out of the baseball game. And you know what? To, to go nine innings only giving up two runs, I, I think you would all sign up for that at the beginning of a Major League Baseball game. It, it came down to the offense not producing, and it didn't matter what we did. We didn't score enough runs to win the baseball game, which is true. In essence, but still, the the process, I thought, was uh, more than a bit flawed yesterday. All right, when we come back, uh, we'll talk to Adnan Virk of MLB Network uh, in Secaucus, New Jersey, as we get an outside perspective on what went down in Minnesota yesterday. Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. You, you, you run into some trouble spots when you say the way that game went down necessitates massive changes because how many times over the last half decade have we said that about the Toronto Maple Leafs? A lot. <laughs> a lot. And again, it's cross-sport comparisons are not apples to apples necessarily, but... It's like yeah. apples to cucumbers, honestly. And even this year, they tried to bring the general manager back. He just overplayed his hand. <laughs> so they had to fire him. Amazing. Um, 
So don't tempt me. I'm trying to stay on task <laughs> today. Know. Don't do this to tomorrow me. Tomorrow we're full on Leafs. Fraser Mitten talk for, for three hours tomorrow. Um, Threat or promise, you decide. <laughs> but the way the last two postseasons have ended, and even last year was like, it's a different deal. Again, like not an effort thing, not necessarily controllable. I mean, it was from a manager's perspective to let – it's a, it's weird. Like, we're, we're two things. It's like this year the manager pulled the starter too early. Last year he he, he didn't let him finish the yeah. game that he was clearly pitching well in um, and had a reliever that was very capable in Tim Mesa but ends up changing the course of that game. They blow an 8-1 postseason lead last year. This year they score one run. They get – a. Base runner picked off of second base for the first time in franchise history in a postseason game. And, yeah, they, they bring in a guy who had an ERA over five in September into a scoreless game after their number two starter looked as dominant as as they did. Like, that that feels not so great. Yeah, it's it's not. And the it'd be so much... It'd be so much easier if it was just one thing, if it was just the bats and we could just talk about that. But it's not just the bats. It's the base running like we talked about. It's the decisions. It's not the pitching, but it is the pitching because Kikuchi came in and, hey, it wasn't his fault, but Mm -hmm. there are two runs on the board and none for your team. It'd be so much easier if you could just focus on one area. But even the things you think you've got sorted, you effectively unsorted in that game. Yeah, and if you're a front office executive, your job is partly to be dispassionate about it, right? And and not be as furious as the fan base is today. Let's talk to a breath of fresh air, Adnan Verk, MLB Network, who joins us on the line right now. Good morning, Adnan. Good morning, Ben. Great to chat with you again, and Brent as well. I'd like to start out by just airing this grievance out. Mm-hmm. Ben, I'm very diligent about returning text to people. I sent you a text message after oh. it was announced you were moving to mornings. You it completely ignored my text message. So I have to chastise you publicly. Is that true? It was true? a heartfelt message. I said, you didn't even give me a like. like that at least is just disgusting, give me a like. Adnan. So I'm calling you out, and now we can move forward. No, that, I, I honestly, I am also diligent in, in responding to messages. I, I find that hard to believe. If it, if it is true, I apologize wholeheartedly. Because here's the thing, Adnan. I don't think I'm above anybody. Like, I really, <laughs> like, to a, like, maybe concerning degree, I probably overdo it. But, yeah, there's 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 nobody the I two of us respond are, to. The two of us are in a beneath everyone off yeah. every day. I'm just like, no, no, I'm lower on the totem yeah. pole. Yeah, and obviously not the great Adnan Ferg. So, yeah, no, I, I screwed that one up. Uh, my bad. Um, so the, the fan base is mad, Adnan. As you can imagine, Today, after yeah. not just the 0 for 6 in the uh, Vlad and Bo era of Blue Jays baseball, but the way the last two postseasons have ended, and specifically the way this postseason ended, it was predictable, I suppose, because this is the way an 89-win Blue Jays team has played for the majority of the season. It was not predictable if you listen to the discourse around this team in February and March. Where are you on what is what is reasonable discourse around this team and, and what is, like, over the top? Yeah, I never want to always make the connection to Leafs, Ben. I'm sure you and Brent hear that enough and do it enough. And you go, hey, these are separate entities. But if I'm, if I'm grasping for positives, and you did welcome me as a breath of fresh air, it's that sometimes you are what your season suggests, which is to say sometimes a team can be flawed in the regular season. And then go on a run and you go, see, all along they were great. They just need to catch fire, and you're vindicated in your thought process. But then year two, year three, they go backwards and you go, see, it was a mirage. So at least in the Blue Jays instance, as you said, 89 wins. Like, if you just told me at the start of your 89 wins, like, that is seriously some underachievement. 
Something must have happened to Alec Noah, which did. Something must have happened to Vladdy, which did, under achievement. Something has to have happened to Matt Chapman after a boisterous April, which did, and just underachieving across the board. So the only solace I take is that, you know, if they'd gone on a run and gone on the World Series, everyone would say, see, so this is a great team. We need to keep building this nucleus. We've got something here. Instead, you look at it and go, dude, this is a seriously flawed roster. A year ago, two and out, embarrassing to blow that lead against the Mariners. They focused on run prevention, which is great. Hey, thanks for Dalton Varsho and Kevin Kiermaier's defense. And obviously the pitching staff was terrific. But then their offense is completely lackluster and feeble in big moments, and it's just continuing the theme of the year. So the only solace you can take is that when this happens, you can't make excuses, and you can't say, "Ah, but if, but it's only a three-game series. But you had all year. Like, you had all year to win a title and win the division and then not be in this situation and be at home for the situation if, indeed, you'd been the top wild card. So the only thing is you can say it's kind of fitting. You know, it's apropos that a team that you expected to be loaded and expected to score a lot of runs went out meekly scoring one run in two games against the Minnesota Twins. And I called the Jays to win. The only thing I said about Minnesota is their strength is their starting pitching those top two guys. For those who haven't been paying attention, Pablo Lopez was the ace they needed, which is why he traded a rise, and Sonny Gray was third in the majors in the ERA. That was the strength of the team, period. I'm like, the Jays can hit those guys, even scratch out three or four runs, they're going to win. And they couldn't do it. And what ends up happening is you look at moments in microcosm, Vlad getting picked off. Like, I, I, it's too soon right now. Like, we need a little bit of time. But you're going to look back and go, that's like one of the most epic, painful, embarrassing moments in Toronto sports history, really. Because I I just keep going in my head. I'm like, Boba shuts up with two on. Like, literally, base it, it's 2-2. We have a different ball game. There's no question about the Jays win this game. And they'll win game three because Minnesota's third starter, Joe Ryan, isn't nearly as good as Lopez and and Gray. And the Jays' depth in the rotation shows themselves after those two games. And to get picked off in that situation, I mean, we, I just, it's mind-blowing. When I woke up today, I just kept thinking to myself, I can't believe he got picked off there. And we broke it down, Harold Reynolds and Yankee hitting coach Sean Casey, already making his return to MLB Network Airways. <laughs> Andy, <laughs> amazing. And Casey said to me, point blank, he goes, that just can't happen. And I said, I'm trying to give Vlad the benefit of the doubt. He knows basically he's trying to score and tie the game. And as Case correctly pointed out, but there's a guy on third. Like, where are yeah. you going? Your primary leads are, and your secondary lead is different, right? It's a really good baseball nuance. Your primary lead is what you first do. And then once the pitch is thrown, then you take a secondary lead, and you're going to make sure you're going to score an 80 base. Because that is inexcusable. And Harold Reynolds went the other way and praised Carlos Correa. Because, listen, that's a hell of a play. Because we asked Sonny Gray right after the game, what happened? He goes, who's whose idea? Because it was Carlos. He goes, Carlos said in the first thing, he goes, it is so loud. Uh, when the third base coach is yelling back, those guys can't hear. So we're going to do this at some point. So apparently Correa called it in to the catcher. It goes through pitch comp. The pitch comp just says, pick off. And boom, they've already got the play ready to go. And it was excellent execution. As a baseball fan, you get to that is impressive. Like in a moment like that, to nab Vlad, like that, that's the thing of artistry. And it speaks to the leadership of Correa and obviously the execution of Sonny Gray and the Twins. But on Vlad's part, inexcusable, inexcusable. Yeah, it just is. And I think the worst part about it is that, you know, Adnan, like you you pay close attention to this team. You know so many people who are a part of the fan base there is that they want to believe. They want to buy in. This was the guy who was promised. He's the one who's supposed to lead them to the promised land. But that moment right there leads itself to all the worst things you can believe about Vlad. And I'm not saying they're all true. But if you're somebody who thinks he's not locked in and he can be a little lackadaisical at times and he thinks the game is just supposed to come easy to him, if that's your predeceived notion about Vladdy, that play right there just bleeds so perfectly into it. And I don't know that that's fair, but that is going to be the lasting Blue Jays thought for a lot of people heading into this offseason now. Yeah, and the other part of this too, you know, Brent, having that chance of Matt Chapman, like there's another one you go, okay, single, 
single, infield single, Espinal. Okay, here we go. Like, this is how you scratch across the run. And again, the strength is the twin starting pitching. After that, you get in that bullpen. I know Yohan Duran is incredible. This guy's throwing 103 in the ninth. So, like, you can scratch at a couple of runs. This Blue Jays offense is capable of scoring runs. It should be this hard to manufacture a run. And Chapman's up, who can literally put one in the seats. And to have that screaming liner just go foul and the next pitch double play go, oh, my God. It's just, it was so deflating watching the game because there's moments that you say, that's it. And, and sometimes that's just gut check fan thinking, Brent, like, oh, that's it. We're going to lose the game. Like in the fifth inning, you go, that's it. Game's over. But it really was. Like, <laughs> at that point, you go, the Jays mounted no conceivable plan after that. I guess the pitching did keep it close. And, and again, we haven't, I haven't spoken. I'm sure you guys have done a ton about the whole Barrios decision, but I can't just. I mean, it's frustrating. This is baseball in 2023. I get it. Front offices are running the show. We can't blame John Schneider on this, right? He made it very clear in his statement. He said, you can put it on me. You can put it on the front office. That's his second sentence. He's making it very clear, okay? This move is coming from the top. Maybe he was in concert with it, with Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins, but he wasn't a lone wolf going, hey, you know what? 47 pitches. His oh. stuff is electric. One guy reaches. One guy. I, uh, I'm not seeing something I like. So clearly this decision was already preordained. Kikuchi was coming in that game no matter what. And as you said, they just like the idea of a righty-lefty matchup and just, uh, just outthought themselves. And it's a good point you made, Brad. Like you said, well, it wasn't on the pitch. Well, yeah, it kind of was. Like, that was what Harold made to me. I said, well, ultimately, they lost things. They didn't score. He said, yeah, but pulling Barrios, you can still second-guess that decision. That still then allowed two runs to score and one run charged to him. And he was fired up. You could tell he wanted to shove in Minnesota against that fan base for that to happen. Like, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. Vlad pickoff, Chapman double play, Barrios early, early taking out of the game three moments that will really stand. Oh yeah. 100%. And, and to me, yeah, they all have separate reasons for, for fury, but the Vlad one, I I'm, I'm going to need, I'm going to need some time to get over that one because of the, the infrequency in which that play happens. And I don't know if you saw my tweets, um, but yeah, it's the first time in blue Jays postseason history. Anyone's been picked off second base. It's the first time since 2017 that anyone has been picked off second base in the postseason alone. The last guy that was, was Yankees legend, Ronald Torres uh, and, and Carl, Carlos Correa who was was the the shortstop during that that play as well. It's just yeah, yeah it, it's maddening. But yeah, going going back to the 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 Barrios lifting in the in the fourth inning after looking as dominant as he did for you say Kikuchi. You're right to to talk about the 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 multitude of different people that come to that conclusion. I mentioned earlier on in the program that there is a rule that could be enacted that's been bandied about in Major League Baseball that would kind of it would certainly lessen that type of uh, uh, strategy around Major League Baseball and especially in the postseason. It's the double hook rule. I, I, I'm sure yeah. you're familiar with it, but yeah, for people who, who didn't hear me earlier, it's, it's, a, it's a rule in which you get the DH until you remove your starting pitcher from the game, and at that point you lose your DH. So teams are incentivized to keep their starters in for as long as humanly possible. Do you, not that this is like a tipping point in that discussion, but do you think that would be be something that would be beneficial to the game because it's not it's not just a Blue Jays thing. This is like a Major League Baseball thing going back to, of course, Blake Snell in 2020, but those, those are not the only two examples. No, I'm with you, man. It's just I, I don't know one person reacts well to these except for the team who benefits. In this case, the Minnesota Twins. Like, if you're just a baseball fan, I, I don't know how you don't love the moments. Like, the Twins winning a playoff series at home, that's the first time since 91 Game 7. Probably my favorite World Series, non-Blue Jays, because of the worst of first. And Jack Morris pitched a 10-inning shutout in Game 7. Like, you remember those moments. 
if you're a baseball fan, you think back to Koufax or Bob Gibson or Randy Johnson, like guys who just dominate the postseason start to finish. That's part of the allure of baseball. It's part of what makes it special. So I'm with you. If we can find a way to go, hey, maybe starters should go more than three innings. I'd love it. I'd love the incentivization to lose that DH because it's not just the Blue Jays. It's not just the Rays. You know, other teams will do this. And again, Harold is very passionate. He said to me, he goes, just once I want to hear the front office go, this one was on us. Yeah, like, hey, right. John Schneider, he doesn't take any questions. Like, hey, you know what? Like, every time Dave, remember Dave Robertson done a couple of times, quick hooks, like, oh, it's really, hey, hey, Dave, you don't have to answer the questions. It's Andrew Friedman. If you have any questions, direct them to Andrew Friedman. Similarly for the Jays, go to Shapiro and Acton. This is not on John Schneider. He was told to do it, or he's part of the decision-making. Like, it's, it's ridiculous because, again, that raised one will live in infamy. 73 pitches, and Blake Snell got taken out. And this, by comparison, looks like Blake Snell was through 110 pitches, like 47 pitches, and he's dealing. Like, there's no way you could make the argument, like, ah, a couple of full counts or, you know, a third time through the order. Like, it's only been three innings. Like, it, it honestly, it was preposterous. When I saw it, I, I, my first thought was he must be hurt. Like, well, they can't be hurt. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's the analytics that are. And I don't want to be that old dinosaur in the room saying analytics ruin the game. Of course not. Analytics are great for the game, and people are smart, and you should be smart mm-hmm. if you're a baseball fan if you're running your front office. But in this instance, I just don't think it's fan-friendly. We've done such a good job of making the game more fan-friendly this year. I don't think it's fan-friendly when a guy who's supposed to be an elite pitcher getting $130 million gets the hook in the fourth. No, it's a great point about the front office and, and the analytic department in general facing the media after a situation like that. And we'll see. I mean, Ross Atkins is, is going to speak to the assembled masses whenever there is a post-season uh, media availability for him, which is, I'm sure, upcoming. And and he will certainly be asked about the decision-making process and who has ultimate final say. Uh, and obviously, John Schneider in the moment is not going to throw those guys under the bus because they're the guys that hired him, and he's trying to protect his job. And it's not like he's the only guy, too. There's, there's a disconnect here. I will also say... I don't know what the value is of 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 managing outside of the, the the personal relationships you have with the players and keeping everybody on the same page and and making sure everybody's happy and and the the correct messaging to the media because it it just feels like so little is left in the hands of those guys and honestly I don't even fault I I, I know you're a big Aaron Aaron Boone guy and I love. Man, I love his antics, uh, and I love the ejections. I love all that stuff. I don't even know if the players like him. I don't know what the benefit would be in in firing a manager like Aaron Boone. That, to me, feels like the number one thing that you should care about. Might be the only thing you should care about in hiring a manager. If if so little is going to be left to to his decision-making, why should it matter whether he pulled the right levers or not? He was told which levers to pull. All right, since you mentioned Booney, because Case was with me, we took a picture, I texted Booney, I said, Yankee hitting coach here, Yankee manager tomorrow, and then I put Jay's disgraceful. He sent back an emoji of, like, the, the, the crying emoji. So I'm like, mm. do, you think he was, do you think he was mocking or do you think he was being sympathetic? That's the question for you guys to decide. But yes. to your point of, <laughs> yes, he was definitely mocking. But to your point, yeah, I, I, I remember talking to A.G. Przinsky, who I think is a terrific analyst. I really enjoy him, especially my buddy Adam Mead. I don't know if they're calling I know Adam's calling the Astros division series. I don't know if he's with AJ, but those guys are great together. And I, I talked to AJ this summer, and I said, you know, when are you going to be the next White Sox manager? And he, like, openly snorted. Like, it's rare to see a grown man snort. And he said exactly <laughs> just said that. He goes, he goes, why would I want to manage when you don't get to manage anymore? He's like, these decisions are being run by the front office. And I was like, I always hear that. But to some extent, he goes, no, there's no extent, dude. He goes, here's the lineup. Here's the decisions. Here's all the data. Because I've seen it. They tell them this is what you're doing. And the fifth inning, if there's any sort of trouble, you're going to this guy. The Mr. Weaver comes in. Like, he goes, you, 
you really don't have any feel for the game if you're a manager. It's, it's frustrating, and that's why I think it's been taken away. And I go, well, listen, I think Alex Cora has a little rope, my buddy. I'm like, I think he can. He's like, yeah, I guess certain managers, I think if, if they want to make a move, they can do it. I don't think Bruce Bochy's being dictated to about using LeClerc yesterday in the ninth. He's like, but it's, but it's more than you think. Because it's, it's more than you think. And again, as a manager, what would the appeal of the job be? It's, it's strategizing and making those decisions. And a lot of that's been taken away. Kind of like what you said, your, your main impetus is as a motivator, somebody who can get the best of the players, and then somebody who's savvy with the media. Like those are, if, you're, if you're hiring a manager, those are probably the top two of the checklist, which is why some of the guys that I've worked with and friends are now managers, because Aaron Boone and Alex Cora and David Ross and Jerry Francona and Buck Showalter, those guys have all done TV. So they're, they're all great with the media. And they're great at motivating. They're great communicators. That's like pretty much it. And it's like the baseball stuff. Like, ah, we'll figure that out. Like those guys obviously all know their baseball, their former players, et cetera. Right. But it's funny. Like you, you really see this push towards, as you said, the front office will dictate those decisions. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. No, I don't. I don't see any roadmap to to see why it would change. And it's funny you mentioned Cora and Bochi. I mean, obviously we know about the pedigree Bochi has, and it's like I've heard the idea of Cora maybe being the new GM in Boston, getting kicked around. So the idea of yeah, of course that guy would have some uh, some some uh, ability to pull some strings if they're going to maybe let him pull even even more. Uh, I do want to just move away from the Jays for half a second because as upsetting as that game was, uh, I did see another one last night, and baseball actually can be fun. Everything we've said about the Blue Jays. It feels like the Phillies are the complete antithesis of it. Bryce Harper's constantly yeah. running around like his hair's on fire. They're hitting grand slams. They got a great Canadian manager. Uh, there's just so much yeah. to like about that that Phillies team. And I just want to have a actual positive baseball conversation for two seconds, if we could. Have interviewed Rob Thompson a couple of times. Every mention I have to bring up the fact he grew up in Sarnia. I tell me you're bigger on coffee crisp. He's like, uh, not really. I'm like, wow, not a coffee crisp guy or a ketchup chips guy, but still a proud Canadian. Passport. Um, I don't know. <laughs> he said he loves Jim Carrey. I said, "What's the best export of the Canada?" Right, Jim Carrey's a gal. Yeah, I'm not Jim Carrey. Okay, good. Um, the Phillies are a really fun team, and, and I'm with you, Brent. I, I said that same connection to a buddy of mine. I said the Jays are kind of like the Phillies. They're going to have that label of not the best team, but the most dangerous team because power bats, power arms, like they can go on a run. And with Philadelphia, it's like you look at that lineup. Like it, it, there's this whole thought, Atlanta can't be beaten, prohibitive favorite. I'm like, go look at the numbers. Every single year, the last five years, the number one team doesn't even make it to the World Series. Forget about winning the World Series. So maybe the trend is different. I know Atlanta's lineup is loaded. I got it. But I got some concerns about their pitching staff. Like, I, I could see that Phillies lineup with Bryce and Castellanos and Schwarber. Like, they can, they can pull a couple of balls deep and go take Spencer Strider deep, and all of a sudden, Zach Wheeler matches up well with him. You can steal a game one in, in, in Atlanta – Philly, they've got like a huge advantage there at home. You look at their numbers. It says it was Bank Park the last 40 games. Nobody has been better at home, period, mm-hmm. than the Phillies. And Nola, to me, is a big question mark because he's been up and down this year, and he was fantastic last night. So if they got a real two-headed monster, Wheeler and Nola, and their offense is moving the way they can, and at that ballpark, I would not be surprised, again, if the Phillies can upset the Braves. So I know a lot of people are looking forward to saying, all right, Braves, Dodgers, NLCS, but... Not so fast, my friend. I think Philly's got something to say about that. Yeah, my little guy, the eight-year-old, he's adopted the Phillies now, too. He watched them play. He's like, I like that Bryce Harper guy. Like, I I like the Phillies. I like the Fanatic. Oh, Oh, my kid loves the Fanatic. Don't get me started. I mean, who who doesn't love the Fanatic? All right. Um... Adnan, this was great. It was also great to discover that, that you know, Tim Cook <laughs> deleted your text message that you tried to send to me. It was lost in the ether. You have to admit it. I, I showed you incon- uh, incontrovertible proof that, yeah, your message to me never reached its intended destination. 
I love that you did it in the moment too, like mid conversation. Who's <laughs> Brett asking questions? Like, yep, and I can multitask as well. I'm like, no problem, I'll respond to you. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my text, Brent, and for the rest of the audience on Wednesday, September 20th, 11, 10 a.m., I will really miss our chats, bud. You are terrific at your job, knowledgeable and fun. Is this a good thing moving to morning? I was left without an answer for weeks, but now the good news is I'm back with you in the morning. Yeah, so this is a great buddy. Thing for all well, it's, it, the re, it's probably got deleted because there were so many lies in there. I know you like talking to him. The rest of it, I can't <laughs> confirm or deny, though, but happy you guys got and, to be reunited. I'm very happy we got to the bottom of this. Yeah, it is a good thing, okay? This is great. I love waking up at 420 in the morning. Who wouldn't? You're nuts if you don't. Love it. Great to hear from you again, pal. Uh, and we'll talk again soon. Always fun, Benny. Brent, a pleasure, boys. We'll talk soon. See you, man. Uh, Adnan Verk, MLB Network. I was, I know he was just joking, and I'm sure he wasn't. You were taken aback. I, there's nothing that would offend me more than somebody thinking that, like, I'm, I, I'm, like, too good to respond. And I, I can't imagine Adnan Verk, Adnan Verk would even, that thought would cross his mind even in the slightest because he's obviously he's Adnan Verk. He's one of the most recognizable Canadian sports yes. uh, broadcasters going right now. But I also can't abide by anybody thinking that I'm a jerk. <laughs> even though like my brain is so broken, I, if I were you, would have been like, I can't text Adnan back. That's taking up too much of his time. <laughs> right. <laughs> I would I, That's I, how you should have played it. You're like, I saw it and I was just so honored to have received yeah. a message. No, I can't initiate. You're right. The, that thought process does occur when I'm thinking about initiating a text exchange. But like, yeah, I got to respond to the text exchange. Yeah. yeah. So I'm glad we resolved that. You know what? Let's do a wake and rake Let's. right now before we take a break. And as mentioned, no baseball games to speak of at all today. For shame. And we're still waiting the start of the National Hockey League season on Tuesday. For the least, it starts on Wednesday. And we're waiting the start of the NBA season which starts up shortly thereafter. There is an uh, NFL Thursday night game, but it is like that's it's it's it was made in the Thursday night football factory. It really was. They they that is the actual <laughs> that's the blueprint of it. They're like a team that you can maybe one percent talk yourself into being quasi interested in in the Commanders and the worst team in football. I, I feel like Titans Jags used to be the prototypical yes. Thursday night football. When Derrick Henry got good. How yeah. dare he? Um, yeah, Bears Commanders. The the commander. I mean, you know, talk about how pathetic the Bears are. Um, the, the, the commanders are almost a touchdown favorite. They're minus six and a half. And I don't know, maybe you're encouraged because Justin Fields looked like a capable quarterback against the, the second worst team in the league last week in the Denver Broncos. I, I'd probably lay the points with this thing. Although Thursday night, generally Weird. it's, yeah, you, you uh, just take the underdog and, and, and the points. Yep, I think that's the that's the play there as well. Uh, Justin Fields, anytime touchdown, not the worst idea as well with the Bears because that's kind of all they got. Yeah, it is. Uh, World Series odds before we take the break as well. The Arizona Diamondbacks are through. So, like, this is an extra painful postseason for the Toronto Blue Jays because not only are they out and Dalton Varsho making <laughs> the last out mm -hmm. of the postseason looking like a child yes. against Yoan Duran. But a lot the, of people would, by the way. Yeah. A lot of us are not, you know, paid to be professional no. major league hitters. Um, but yeah, the other side of that trade is through, and we'll see if Gabriel Moreno is is back and healthy because he left yesterday's game with, the, scary. with an injury. And uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., though, he's through as well. Diamondbacks, though, have the, the longest odds to win the World Series headed towards the uh, Division Series. They're plus 1,300. Philly is second longest 
at plus a thousand, which to me, like if I'm putting a couple ducats down, it's good value. I, I, not only is it like a fun bet to root on, so but fun. It's, it's also, I mean, this is a team now with playoff pedigree as well, making it all mm-hmm. the way to a World Series last year. Rangers plus 800, Twins plus 750, which I don't hate either. Orioles plus 650, Astros and Dodgers both plus 450, and the Braves plus 300. All right, when we come back, let's talk to one of the guys that was tweeting up a storm about some of the decision-making in Minnesota last night. Not a guy that played for the Blue Jays, but a guy that was a pretty significant figure in Major League Baseball for a number of years. Jonathan Papelbon. World Series champion closer joins us next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.